Welcome to Gay Peace Journeys Podcast. My name's Brian. And I'm Paul. And we'll get going in three, two, one. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gay Peace Journeys Podcast. Today is a very super special day. We have a very special guest today who uh, I cannot believe took time out of her life to talk to us. Um, she talks to Paul regularly. I don't get to talk to her as often, so I'm super psyched. I can tell you that in the past, whenever I'm around her, I feel great. She just has a wonderful energy, and she's somebody that can contribute a lot to our podcast. So thanks for being here, Marsha. Thank you for having me. I really want to thank uh, you, Brian, and you too, Paul, for um, asking me to be a part of the podcast today. I'm excited. Oh, wow. I I was excited to be able to get to have you on here, and we're we're excited that we added some new tools to our setup so that we could actually do the interview interstate. So that's kind of cool. So um, for anyone listening, Marsha is like one of my dearest friends. I've known her more than 30 years. 36 years. I didn't want to say close to 40, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> and um, I, I just don't know how, how to say that, you know, it, it, we're bonded as far as like I consider her to be like, my sister and part of my spirit and part of my spirit family and definitely part of my spiritual basis that I live my life off of. And I'm really happy that you're with us today. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. So when we first started talking about having Marsha on, there's a lot of things we want to talk to her about. And, you know, a little bit about Marsha is um, I met Marsha a long time ago. Um, I, I think it, it kind of started around recovery and, um, she was one of the first friends that I made and we walked through a lot of pain and growth together. And I was on a bike ride today thinking of what my topic would be and the topic, thank you, Jules, of spirituality, you know, and, and thinking about Marsha. And one of the things that happened was I was thinking about, you know, the truths that we have that come to light and those kind of epiphanies or spiritual awakenings, if you will, that occur. I was thinking about how many of those I've had since Marsha's been in my life and I thought it would be a great place for us to kind of strike a nail and you're someone that we would love to have back again Marsha I can already tell you that um so if as far as what a spiritual awakening means to me I would start by saying that it's when we have an enlightenment that moves us just a little bit closer to our higher self and that is some perspective possibly that's preventing me from seeing a truth in a situation. It's a prejudice that's not allowing me to be open-minded and able to learn something because if I'm not open-minded, I'm not able to absorb that lesson. And sometimes it's just like a basic blind spot, maybe a truth that has always been there, but I've just not been able to see it. And those are kind of the things I want to talk about, and especially the ones that have moved us on our spiritual journey. And, you know, we were talking about this before we started, and there's different things that we get sometimes, like messages from spirit, and those can additionally be considered a spiritual awakening. But, um, Marsha, I, I guess we'll kick it off with you and and find out where you're at with this topic and what you think. You know, for me, awakenings kind of come in different ways. There's different levels, and and different types of awakenings that I have. And, um, and, and like you were saying, Paul, sometimes there's like a, a catalyst or an initiating 
event or situation. And for me, many times through my life, it's been actually pain that has been that catalyst. Pain of of being in a place or situation or with a perspective, like you said, that has not is not working for me anymore. And it that pain has been what opened my mind to be able to to experience uh, a new perspective or to have an epiphany that um, that that changes me on this kind of fundamental level. And for me, the very first one, I would have to say, um, the first one that was probably the biggest awakening I had was you mentioned that we met in recovery and uh, I got sober when I was 25 years old. And um, to that point, I had just been sort of like the walking dead. Um, I had been drinking for uh, the majority of my teenage years and my early 20s, drinking heavily and and using other extracurriculars, if you will. And um, and I just got to a point in my life where I did not want to go on. I could not imagine living a life the way I had been living it, and I certainly couldn't imagine anything else. And um, and it really was that um, fear that I can't go on like this. I'm going to have to find something else. And that was very sudden for me, actually. And as I continued in my journey with recovery, just it it was like I got awakened a little bit more each time I would take another step and each time I would have more experiences and get through those, you know, clean and sober. You know, it was amazing to me, the, the spirit world that opened up to me and opened my mind as well as my heart, you know, to understanding that i totally agree with that and i agree that pain is probably one of the best motivators that i've ever had in my life and i relate to what you were talking about i remember coming in and just being so exhausted and constantly feeling like i was in a fight and i was just getting beat down and there was no way out of it and that realization that um i guess one of my first epiphanies was that i don't have to fight anymore and you know Mm -hmm. that i don't have to stay subscribed to the philosophies that I had, that everything was, was changeable. And and I guess, you know, being, being gay and being closeted when I was young and, you know, the society of where we came from, right. And how, how shut down everything was towards that there. Um, it, when I realized I was gay, it made me have to reevaluate things like all the stuff I had learned in my religion growing up, all my aspects on family, because I knew that those things were not going to be in my life the same way that they were in other people's lives. And so right off the bat, I was forced to have to look at things differently. So there was Mm -hmm. automatically some of those things there. And then, um, but that constant fighting and and realizing that, you know, I just don't have to participate in that anymore. And I can decide and I can look at something and decide what this means to me. And, you know, recovery gave me that freedom because I didn't Absolutely. have that prior because I was locked in, you know, and I was hanging onto the back of that school bus. <laughs> my, my fingernails were like all, you know, on that bumper and, and, you know, they were just dug in and it was just dragging me around the bus, you know, around the block. And I was ready for something. And I think that you happened at a perfect time in my life and, you know, the things that we experienced was kind of a perfect storm 
of horrible situations, you know, I won't say, I hate saying that. I don't think anything is bad or good. I think that's another realization I've had, you know, a spiritual Mm. epiphany that I had that it's not good or bad. It's not black or white. They are catalysts themselves in getting us into perspectives of being open for learning or getting into a place where we can see things in a new light. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you said pain, because when Paul mentioned this topic, I started racking my brain and I was thinking, what epiphanies have I ever had? You know, and I, I really was kind of coming up at a loss. I, I wasn't finding many. But when you mentioned pain, I just realized that that is where the catalyst lies for those moments in your life. You know, and I, now when I think about it and I relate it to painful times in my life, I can see how I've had a lot of epiphanies and, and uh, life's journeys go, goes on, you know. Definitely. Absolutely. You know, um, Carl Jung, I'm a big fan of Carl Jung, um, the German psychiatrist, and um, he did a lot of writing about the shadow self and embracing the shadow, our, our, our shadow. Uh, and I'm, I really, <clears throat> one of, another one of the epiphanies that I've had, or I've come, you know, to, to believe and, and actually can look back and bless it is that, um, is that my shadow shows up, um, as the dark night of the soul. But recently I was talking to a friend of mine and she said, like a K-N-I-G-H-T? And I went, oh, wow. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> you know, in that place where I would get to um, where it was a dark night, N-I-G-H-T, of the soul that everybody experiences at least once in our, their lifetime and many times, multiple times. But, you know, if if I can just turn and face the night, and K and I G H D and ask it what what are you trying to communicate to me? What do I need to learn here? Why have you shown up at this time? I mean, that for me is very, very powerful. And and I had um I, I was having a dark night of the soul one time and out of that experience I went and I got in my tub. And I said, you know, I'm going to do a sensory deprivation thing. And I call it now the void meditation. And I would go and I would turn off all the lights to where I could not see anything. And I would get in, get in a tub, nice, nice warm tub, bring in a giant beach towel with me, get it wet and wrap it around me so that the only thing that that I could really perceive was the warmth of the water and the towel and just the little place where I could breathe out of it. And it was like retreating almost into that place of that really deep abyss of silence and allowing myself to just sit there with the feeling and be open to whatever might come up. And and I now I I practice that on the regular, you know, when I have, you know, need for it. Awesome. So, um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. And that helps you to reach that shadow aspect of yourself that you need mm-hmm. to commune with. 
to find out what mm. is going on. Now, I can I can totally relate to that because listening to the universe, it's it's hard to do when there's so much clutter going on and everything's happening. Um, I too am a fan of the warm tub bath because it does give me time to just. Uh, be with myself and cut down on the clutter, the outside world, and um, just really listen to myself, my soul, and the universe. You know, as far as the K-N-I-G-H-T, right, I think that, like, for for me, I experienced death in my immediate family at a young age, and it was always this big painful spot because when that happened, you know, a, my mother kind of retreated, and there was, she was kind of taken away from me. Well, she was. My mother was taken away from me for quite a while um, at that point. And I associated the pain of, and loss, you know, of someone's life with the loss of someone key as a value point in your life. And that K and I G H T stepped in, you know, to as a protection mechanism to keep me from getting too close to other people that could leave me back in the same scenario. And that was some shadow work that I had to do was to find out that, you know, I'm comparing everyone to this scenario that happened to me and every event in my life, good or bad, was being compared to this event to see how it would happen because I'm never finished processing that. I didn't have the capability at that age and I just tried to forget it as I got older instead of going back and reprocessing that. And I actually did not take that opportunity to do that until about five to eight years ago. I actually went to a therapist and I, I worked through that and we did some e, EDRM, ERDM, EMDR, EMDR. There you EMDR. go. Yeah. I, yep. I know what it is. I just can't, the acronyms <laughs> right. always mess me up, but it was very enlightening and it helped me to resort things. And it kind of felt like I had went in and cleaned out a closet. Like it, it just, everything came in different after that. And that was a very interesting process for me. Um, some of the other, when I was also thinking about some of the other types of awakenings that I've had. Um, so we talked about, you know, a couple of them, but um, I, I would like to tell this, this story. I'll try to make it as brief as possible, but um, I was living in Destin, Florida and Destin is just, if you've never been there, it, the Emerald Coast uh, in Northwest Florida is just amazing. The sand is pure white and the, the, the sea looks like, the Gulf looks like um, the Caribbean Ocean. It's just gorgeous. And um, one, one day I was, uh, I was walking down the beach and I was just so uh, overjoyed with, just overwhelmed with the love of nature and the beauty that was surrounding me. And I was I was like singing songs, you know, little yeah. tiny dancer Elton John and just grooving. And 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 it was a, a little bit of a deserted beach because back then it was a long time ago. Um there were a lot of condos. There were stretches of beach that where there were no condos. And um and the dunes were really big too in this area where I was, Crystal Beach. And um all of a sudden, and out of absolutely nowhere, I felt fear just pounce on me like a panther, like a black panther had le leapt over the dunes, and I just suddenly got terrified for no apparent reason. And I started looking around and going, what? What is that feeling? Because, I mean, it was so diametrically opposed to what I was just experiencing. Right. And... 
I heard a voice that was as if someone was standing just behind me out of my peripheral vision. And I got very explicit instructions. And it said, you need to draw a circle in the sand and a triangle in the circle. Yes, like the AA symbol. And you need to get in it as quickly as possible. Look out at the water. Don't turn around. And I'm like, okay, I'm losing my mind here. And, but, you know, I, I was like, I felt the urgency, still wondering what is going on. And I, you know, was digging my heel around in the sand and then I, and then I got it and I heard like the voice get more anxious and go, come on, come on, get in, get in now, now, look at the water, don't turn around. And I mean, I'm just swept up in this, in this experience and, and then it like went away as quickly as it had come. And then I'm just sitting there staring and the sun was setting and the, and the full moon was coming up on the other side. And I'm like looking around and going, what just happened? And as I walk back to my car and get over the dunes, I'm approaching my car and I see that the window is out. And I get up to the car and someone has picked up a loose piece of pavement from the road and, and thrown it through my window and stolen my purse. And I was like, wow. So if I had come up a few minutes earlier, who knows what could have happened, right? Right. And I mean, I was shaking like a leaf and I got in my car and I, and I, and I thought about calling the police and I'm like, they're not going to do anything. You know, it's out here in the middle of nowhere. They'll just tell me I shouldn't have had my purse in the car, you know, whatever. So I went on, I went on back to, to my apartment and um, and I just kind of like reached for a, a, the first thing on the nightstand. I tried to call a few people. Nobody was around. I re and I reached for this book and I opened it up and it said, the circle and triangle was used by ancient priests to ward off evil spirits. You guys, there was a hundred <laughs> topics in this book and this is what it said. And I was like, because it was so random. I just picked it up and opened it up and there it was. And I was like, What? what you know <laughs> i'm like so was that an angel was it a spirit guy was what what was that it's definitely the and universe <laughs> i know and i never you know i never got an answer <laughs> but today i would like probably attribute that to a spirit guide you right. know um but um just was incredibly thankful and then the next day when i was at work i was working in radio i was uh i was doing news on a morning show and um and the police called and they had found my belongings and they were asking me a bunch of questions and and they said, did you see anybody? And I was like, no. And this is the area that you were in? And I said, yeah, approximately, yeah. And they said, well, there was a woman who was raped and beaten <sighs> and, and was found on the beach, you know, it, which after, you know, some discussion was probably about a mile from me. Mm. And they had found my purse and all my belongings and my business card. And that's why they called the radio station. So it was just like, it just made me even more grateful for. And so, I, you know, I don't know. Those things are inexplicable. But, but sometimes those epiphanies and those awakenings are just like little windows that pop open into spirit world where, where a, suddenly I'm connected to forces beyond even my comprehension. And, and, 
and, and and they can bring up things like just a sheer amount of gratitude, you know. Absolutely. Um, and and they're such powerful experiences that it that it you know you're forever changed by those things. So I have a question for the both of you, if this is a good time. So you've known each other for a long time, and you're both very enlightened, I would say, and very um, intuitive, right? Okay. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> from, from my perspective, you both are very much. So my question is, in the early days of knowing each other, were you guys as insightful and as, uh, as knowing as you are now, or was that a growing experience? And if so, you know, what was the catalyst in that growing experience? Where did you learn? I'll have to say that, <clears throat> and Marsha, forgive me for saying this, but when I first met Marsha, I was totally right. I mean, I was young and, um, I was full of fear and a lot of angst. And I was, when I met Marsha, I hadn't come out really at that point. Mm -hmm. And that was something that happened after I met her. And it was, uh, it, it was not the easiest to do, mm -hmm. but it did happen. And, but there was a lot going on with me. I mean, that was part of it, you know, but I was still trying to figure things out. I was trying to, um, I came into like AA and Narcotics Anonymous and that kind mm -hmm. of stuff just right off the street. And I, was trying to make it work for me and I just didn't know how to change things. And Marsha had had a little more structure in the way that she found the same roadmap. Mm -hmm. And she was, I was there for her to help her get started, I guess, in the, in the meetings around there, but she helped me get kicked off with my program. And I think that was really important as far as like finding a way to be able to stop fighting. Mm -hmm. I knew that I didn't have to, but I didn't know how to. And that was things, you know, we were learning life lessons left and right because we were trying to do things differently. So do you think mm -hmm. that you two, um, it's just a random pairing, um, of meeting each other, or do you think there's something more that the universe got you two together and, um, you were part of your stories, you know, did that happen? Well, I would like to I would like to field that question first. <laughs> I think absolutely um, Paul was put in my life. Um, and when we, from the moment we first met, there was a connection, almost like one of those things where um, it's like a spirit from a past life, a soul from a past life experience where you go, I know you and you know it. Like immediately, yeah. as soon as you meet them, it's like, I know who you are, mm -hmm. but, but you've never met before, you know, and that was, and he had exactly one day more sobriety than I did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we were, we just, we, we hit it off so well. We became so close, such good friends. And I remember the conversation. I don't know if you do or not, Paul, but, um, a few months into sobriety when we were sitting on the side of my bed in my, um, in my apartment. And I, and I looked at you and I said, well, you do know that you're gay, right? Paul? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Or yes. Not. I remember the conversation. <laughs> me being me having me being bisexual and having had experiences up to that point, it was like very clear to me, you know, 
Um, and so it was just, but it was so beautiful that, that we were able, we were so close and so able to talk that blatantly with one another. And, and I think we grew together. I, I was a hot mess when I came in. I didn't want and, to say that. <laughs> well, uh, is that okay for me to say? No, no, it's, it's completely out? fine. Yes. I, it's not that I don't believe that. I just, it didn't feel it was my place to say that. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I was just a lost soul too. And I was, and I'm so glad that I've had you, Paul, as a traveling companion for this many decades, really. Thank I mean, you. you've always been just very, very special in my heart. And you, Brian, just, you know, having known you now for quite some time as well, it's just you guys are, are really are, are such an incredible, powerful couple and, and what you do with this podcast and, and just the way you live your lives. It's really beautiful. And I love both of you guys so much. Oh, thank you so much. But, you know, my question was like, you guys are a perfect fit for your journey through the universe, you know, and I, I've had that in my life. I mean, Paul is that for me as well. Um, but, uh, you know, growing up as a Catholic kid, you know, angels were a big thing, you know, so I would meet people and like you were describing Marsha about, um, you just knew them already, you know, you knew Paul, you just knew you knew him already, you know, I've had that with some people in my life too, you know, and, and to me, that's like a modern day angel kind of thing. You know, it's like, uh, it's like somebody that, um, is there for you, not just, you know, with you, you're a part of each other's lives, a part of each other's journey. And it, it just can't be an accident to me. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it seems like there's reasoning behind that, you know? So I do want to ask a question, um, the two of you, how about this? I'm flipping the tables now. Um, as far as epiphanies go, there's a couple of scenarios that I'm kind of interested when you guys had epiphanies about them and, and what that might've looked like. And the first one I would have to say is, you know, getting older. I mean, like, I, I know that for me, you know, my hair's falling out. I turned silver. I had a lot of physical issues where I couldn't walk for several years. Um, there's been a lot to that for me that I've had to really just, um, embrace. And I remember, I remember looking at a picture of me a decade earlier and thinking, wow, like I was, I was pretty good looking back then. But I remember when the picture was taken and feeling like I was so out of sorts with the way I looked and how I looked and just deciding that, you know, I'm just going to be me now. You know, it doesn't matter. It, it Maybe this is the best I'm going to look for the rest of my life today. <laughs> so I'm just going to I'm going to flip and enjoy it. You know, I'm, I'm going to be here and be in this and I'm going to celebrate this. And you know, the, the beauty is I don't have to fall in those mud holes that I stepped in every two steps when I was in my twenties and thirties, you know, Oof. and, mm. and I, I learned where they were in the twenties, but in the thirties, I didn't learn that I didn't want to step in them. <laughs> you know what I mean? And mm. it just took a little while for me to try and sort through those and, and determine where my value was. And I was just wondering Cause like, I'm, I'm curious about like getting older and like accepting your body and like, you know, um, those type things. I, I remember when, you know, younger gays started calling me daddy and I was like, mm-hmm. what, what are you talking about? You know? And it just didn't fit, but I got to that point where I just had to accept it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot older. of perks to that actually. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting mm-hmm. older and, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Might as well embrace it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of guys think daddies are hot, so I, you know, and I'm I tend to be one of them. So, 
hot daddy. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I got a hot daddy too. <laughs> um, you know, it's so funny because he and I actually had this discussion several years ago. Uh, and it and it came up with us looking at pictures of us when we first met, you know, and we're coming up on our 17th anniversary. And um which is a big deal because like neither one of us ever had a relationship <laughs> until now. Um, but we were talking about this aging thing and I'm just going to, I'm just going to put this out here because it's absolutely my truth at this moment. Um, I'm not a fan. Okay. <laughs> I'm a big fan of it. In fact, I, I, I hope that at some juncture I will have, be able to have a sit down with the creator and go now look <laughs> can't we skip this part um but but in all seriousness uh what we were discussing was equanimity and his theory on equanimity is that there's always a trade-off so when we were young and beautiful and passionate you know um, we had the looks, the energy, all the things that we're lacking now. And, um, and yet we would like, like rush headlong into, into situations and things that, you know, were not good and didn't have great results. We didn't have what we have now. So we've traded that, that, you know, vi vibrant health and, you know, and all that. And now we wake up and we're both moaning when we get out of bed, you know, it just <laughs> hurts to be in a body. Um, and um, the trade-off is like, there's less attachment and more wisdom. Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, it's real cliche, the whole wise old woman or wise old man, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, but in truth, um, the wisdom comes from having had all those experiences that some of them weren't great. Some of the outcomes were not great. And so if, if I, maybe if we had all of it all at once, and this is the epiphany part for me, if we had all of it all at once, the world would be utter chaos because of the power differential. Right. You know, if you had, you know, brains and good looks and money and all the things and wisdom, <laughs> I mean, we'd all need to rule, rule the world and then we'd have a whole bunch of rulers. <laughs> just yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I think that, that I, for one, find it a lot easier to be more serene now, um, now that I feel uh, detach more detachment than attachment. I don't think that, how do I say this? The detachment that you're talking about, it, it's not that it's an apathy thing. It's a, it's not, I don't have to own that thing. You know, Yeah. It, it's like when I went through, um, when, when I, you know, was there for my friend when he was dying of cancer. Right. And then watching him struggle and want another day, you know, and then I watch people, just moaning and pissing their life away. It's it's really difficult to watch sometimes. And I just want to just shake them and say, wake the hell up. You know, not everybody gets that option. And mm. I just, it's not that I don't care. It's just that I used to feel like I owned the responsibility to fix everything. 
you know, the person driving in the wrong lane, you know, like the person in front of me that doesn't know how to sort their groceries, you know, any, whatever it was, I just, I felt like I had some sort of ownership and I guess it's because my ego was that big and my ego is more right size now. And I don't have to like push that on other people. And, you know, I can let them have their life while I'm having mine. And that not needing to be the almighty anymore um, mm. has really given me a lot of that. I'm able to find peace today. And I think that's really important, you know, as far as the quality of my life is definitely in perspective to the amount of peace and, and tranquility that I can, I can manifest within myself and, and within where I'm at in my life right now. Mm -hmm. There's a whole lot to be said for humility. Um, you know, hum humility in and of itself. And I'm not talking about humiliation, I'm talking about humility, right. being right sized with the rest of the world. Um, you know, there's, there's a really deep wisdom that comes from that too. And I even read in some literature that humility can actually be a healer of pain. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That reminds me of your story of the brake lights on I-4. Oh. You want to tell that? Yeah, I, um, <clears throat> I've i always felt, and, and I don't know it's because of where I came from on, and being gay in a non-accepted place or, you know, then, you know, uh, having my bout with addiction myself. and But I remember one morning I was driving to work and the time had changed and it was still dark and I had to get on the interstate and I drove for a while and got on the top of the interstate to turn, you know, and get onto the on-ramp to go on in one direction. And I could see in front of me and behind me as far as I could, solid taillights and headlights and to the left and right on the interstate below me, as far as I could see were headlights and taillights. And all of a sudden I had this feeling that we were all part of the same thing and that every one of those was someone just like me having an experience just like me that, you know, they're living their life and they're doing their thing and they're in their moment and that I was part of that and I belonged and that was mm. huge. And I, and I know it had a lot to do with me being in recovery and starting to do that work on myself that, you know, I probably should have done when I was a teenager, quite honestly, but I never really got, I never took the opportunity uh, to do that because I was looking for some way to escape where I was. So mm. I think it was me catching up with the rest of the world in some capacity. At least I hope that other people get that in their life. And if, and, and listener, if you, if you haven't got that, it's worth taking the time to invest in yourself to get that because mm -hmm. it changed everything for me. So we're really happy that you were with us today, Marcia. It has been such a pleasure. <laughs> oh, thank you. There's so, so much more I want to share I, with you guys. Well, please do <laughs> because we'll do it again. Yeah, yeah, I know I know that we have barely scratched the surface of you. Uh I know that you have so much to share and we would love to hear that. So please, please let us. Yes, we would definitely we want to do more sessions with you. I would love it. That I would be I would be honored. Thank you for asking me to be here with you guys today. Awesome. It's been great. I love so, y'all. We love you too. And peace out, everybody. Peace out. <laughs>
Thank you for listening to Gay Peace Journeys podcast. Now it's your turn to spread the peace. Please take a moment to share our link with anyone that might benefit from listening. Don't forget to like and follow us for more gay peace. We hope you'll continue your gay peace journey with plenty of free self-care content on gaypeace.com. Thank <laughs> you.